Well, hey, good morning, everybody. This is Nathan Harris at Celebration Center. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here. And whether you're a guest with us this morning or you're a regular attender, I'm so thankful that you're able to join us. And, you know, our desire here at Celebration Center is that all of you be able to get connected to Jesus. We want you to connect with Jesus this morning. And one of the great ways to do that is to connect with his people. All right, and so the way that can work here at Celebration Center, even in the middle of COVID and, and all that's going on, is that you can go to our website, ccpwallop.com, and you can click on the Connect With Us tab. Or if you're watching this video live, you can, uh, in, in the online platform, there's actually a Connect With Us tab. You can click on that. You can fill out the information, your contact info. You can tell us a prayer request. You can uh, ask us a question. You can just say, hi. And you know what? We would love to connect with you. We would love to be able to talk with you and pray with you and, and, and get to know you more. Because, you know, God made you. You're one of his creations. And, and we want to include you in our community. So, uh, I encourage you do that. I would love to connect with you. Somebody else from the church here would love to be able to connect with you. But I, I encourage you, go ahead and do that. And that can actually help you in the process of connecting with Jesus this morning. Well, we are in a series called The New Normal. And in this series, we're looking at what has become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And we find that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through seven. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, all right? And in Matthew chapters five through seven, we have what's become known as the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus begins to explain what kingdom life is like. He says, this is the way you live if you are part of the kingdom. And he has a lot of things to say, all right? And and it, it's it's all wrapped up around a new way of living, a new way of being humans. Now, we all know what it's like to encounter a change in life. One change that we all encounter from time to time is a password change, right? We, we try to log into Facebook or Amazon or whatever else, and because of security purposes, they say, hey, guess what? You haven't changed your password in a while. It's now time to update that, to, to fix that, so that we can continue uh, to make sure that your stuff is safe and, and, and all of that. So, you know, sometimes that can feel a little frustrating because it's either you have logged in that way so often that your fingers remember all of the motions to be able to get you in, or you've, you've had that remember me uh, box checked so that it just automatically logs you in and, and you don't even have to think about it. But now you've got to think about something. You've got to change something. The way that you used to connect to these things right, has now become changed. So you have to do a new way. We've all encountered something like that. The coming of Jesus is a little bit like that. I mean, it's far more than just a password change and being able to connect to things. But what was reality, the way that we understood life, not that that way was good, not that that way was right, not that that way was the way it was supposed to be, 
all right? But the way we understood it, the way that we approached it is now and forever changed if we are going to live in his kingdom, if we are going to be connected to him and his kingdom. Why? Because Jesus's arrival on earth means that now and forever, where once heaven and earth were separated because of human sin, because Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 ate of the fruit and disobeyed God and were, were expelled from the garden, all right? And God said, now because of your disobedience, all of these other bad things are going to happen. The earth is going to give thorns and thistles instead of fruit and, and, and you know, um, relationships between men and women are going to be in upheaval. Relationships between humans and creation is, are going to be in upheaval. So heaven and earth are separated. The good is, 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 has been broken. But now in Jesus, heaven and earth are brought back together and that forever and ever, they will never again be separated. Yes, there's things to be worked through. Yes, there's work to be done. We can look around in the world around us and see that, that we've still got a ways to go. But the reality is that the, the curse of that separation has been undone. God has come back. Heaven and earth are forever and ever um, overlapping never to be separated again. You guys, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That is the kingdom of heaven that we are living in. And last time we saw how living in Jesus's new normal means that our hearts are changed so that we live as the pure in heart people, the, the people who are laser focused on pursuing God above all else. And we cultivate this kind of heart by getting rid of everything that stands in the way of genuine relationship with God by being faithful in all of our relationships, our marriage relationships, our friendship relationships, the relationships with the people outside. You know, our, we take seriously our relational responsibilities. We don't just neglect those. And then also we keep our word. We fulfill our promises. We're not looking for loopholes in how to get out of things. That's Jesus says, this is how you live as the pure in heart people. And we do all of that within the context of confession, of, of confessing to Jesus our, our shortcomings of, and, and prayer, asking for his empowerment, and then living a life of thanksgiving, accepting the, God's presence, his gifts, his, his good news into our own lives, his action of what he's done, and, and living out of that. And if you missed last week's message or any of the messages in this series, I encourage you, go to our website, ccpuallup.com, click on either the sermon podcast link or the YouTube link, and you can get caught up. This week, we're continuing as we look at another challenging example that Jesus gives. One, frankly, that is impossible for us to live out if we are going to approach it as, as behavior modification, as something that we've just got to live up to. We've got to do better. We've got to make this happen. All right? But we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Here's what Jesus said. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. I'm reading out of the NIV, the New International Version. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can turn there. Or if you're watching uh, live right now, you can go to the notes section on the online platform. And uh, we've, we've got the, the verses all typed out there. And you can follow along as I read. Here we go. Matthew 5, 38 through 48. Jesus speaking, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek 
also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now remember, when Jesus begins these examples with, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he's saying, he's doing three things. Number one, Jesus is addressing a misapplication of the law. He's not doing away with the law. He's addressing a misapplication of it. Number two, he's replacing this misapplication with his own official ruling, with the appropriate application of what the Old Testament law is talking about. And number three, even though it's not uh, specifically stated in the, you have heard it said, but I say to you, in the overall context Jesus is talking about having a particular kind of heart. He's saying move into maturity. He's not saying get this done right now. Get it done yesterday. I remember my dad saying things to me like that growing up when he wanted me to get stuff done. I need you to do this and I need you to do it yesterday, right? I need I need you to live up to this, you know, in, in an instant. It's a little bit like the time... I was working for the Army Corps of Engineers and, and we had been working pretty hard and we were frustrated with the ridiculous way that this particular job was being done. We were uh, tasked with collecting driftwood out of a reservoir so that the, the, all of this driftwood didn't flow down to the bottom of the, of, of the reservoir where the dam was and, and adversely affect the dam. We had to keep the dam safe, all of that. Um, and the guy who was in charge of this project did not know what he was doing. I won't get into all of the details, but it, basically we did too much with very little uh, resources. And it took what what probably should have been about a half a day's work or whatever, ended up taking a full day to do. And so at the end of the day, we're, we're slowly tugging against the wind in, in, in this um, kind of a tugboat thing. Uh, where we're pulling this this log boom with basically it was a giant log raft now and um we're trying to get it to the other side of the reservoir against the wind and get it attached chained up to the other side so this driftwood doesn't go down anyway uh we're just frustrated we're tired and and we're feeling you know used and misused and all of that and finally as my coworker who's piloting the boat is trying to maneuver this boat into the shore close enough for us to be able to get this log boom um uh, chained to the shore 
he just finally yells out to me because I've got to get to the truck where some tools are. He yells out to me, jump! Now, you got to understand at this point, we're still about 12 feet from the shore, okay? And instead of me thinking through what he's saying, like, okay, well, he's frustrated. He's probably being sarcastic. I can't jump that far, so I'm not going to do it. Instead, I hear the command and I'm like, yes, sir, and I jump. And I'm about midway in the air with my leftover lunch in one hand, right? And and my 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 coworker's like, no, don't do it. I mean, because he was obviously being sarcastic, but I'm feeling frustrated. And I land in about waist high water. I'm soaking wet. Everybody starts laughing, and I'm 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 shame. I'm feeling ashamed, and and I'm feeling even more frustrated. So I'm feeling anger. You know, all of these things. Okay. But rather than thinking things through, all I tried to do was comply. You guys, if we are going to understand and apply what Jesus says, we have to keep these things in mind. He's, he's addressing a misapplication. He's giving a proper application. And he's saying you get there through a heart change process by being transformed from the inside out. You become mature. So as we wrap up this section of the Sermon on the Mount, I want to take a closer look at what Jesus says in these verses that we just read. So here we go again. We're going to look at Matthew 5, 38 through 39. Here we are. You have heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Now, the Old Testament law gave parameters. They gave, it gave limits for revenge that was disguised as justice. You see, in, in, in Old Testament culture, even in Jesus' day, there were the, these things called blood feuds where somebody wronged you, you had to go one worse than them because you were trying to dominate them. You were trying to put them in their place. You were trying to assert your own humanhood, I guess, or, or your right to exist and protect your own stuff. And so in order to do this, you would do one worse than them. Their cow came into your yard and knocked down your fence or damaged your, your garden. You went, you set their house on fire. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that was prevalent. And so in the Old Testament law, we, we see eye for eye and tooth for tooth, not as a command of what to do, but as a restraint. Don't go beyond what was done. Okay? Don't one up in, in terms of getting one worse, because that's just a downward spiral of, of destruction and death until eventually, honestly, all that's going to be left are dead bodies. It's just going to be worse and worse. And in our American culture, we see this kind of thing happening even in our day right now through the, the cancel culture and the shame culture and all of that that's going on right now. All right. And sometimes, frankly, we're engaged in it when we don't even realize it. So, so Jesus says, don't engage in that kind of thing. All right, but but another way, the, the closest thing, honestly, that, that we can probably think of is if, you know, for those of us who have heard of the Hatfields and the McCoys, all right, these two families who basically decimated each other over a disagreement, okay? Verse 39, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, the idea of resisting an evil person someone who demonstrates opposition to God and his kingdom 
and us even, doesn't mean that we don't stand up for what is right. Jesus here is talking about the way that we stand up for what is right. You see, in Jesus' day, the people of Israel were harassed by the power brokers of their day. The religious leaders on the one hand, and the Roman Empire and those who colluded with and represented them on the other hand. And there were two typical responses to this, to this harassment and this oppression. One, you you get in line with the power brokers. You join with them. Why? Because they hold the power and you want to be on the winning side. So you collude with them. You like, uh, you, you give up uh, uh, principles and, and convictions and, 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 and living as God's people all for the sake of, of security and being able to, to become uh, or to, to come out on top. All right. That, that's one. But the second way that people dealt with this was to take up arms to resist, to enter into not just a blood feud, but a revolution, okay? To literally go out and fight. And so when Jesus says not to resist, he's talking about this second option, this forced revolution. So if Jesus has taken these two options off of the table, how do we live justice? How do we get justice? And so Jesus gives us the new normal of the kingdom through three examples. And we see it here. Number one on your outline, Jesus says, live out generous justice. Live out generous justice. We have to redefine what justice is. Justice is not revenge. Justice is not merely just putting somebody in their place. Justice, as we will see here, is about restoring things to the way they're supposed to be. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Jesus is addressing the way in, in his day that people of higher status would often shame those of lower status. People who of lower status as defined as slaves or children or even women. Okay, and and the way this was carried out was that you would take your right hand and you would backhand them, and when you did this, you're you're hitting them with the backside of your right hand on their right cheek. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, Jesus says, if anyone shames you publicly, which people of higher status could get away with doing that, he says, get up. Don't take up arms, instead offer them the other cheek. And N.T. Wright, I love the way he says this, he, he, the way he puts this. He says, by doing though this, you are saying, hit me again. Why? Because you enjoyed it? No. Because this time you're hitting me as an equal and not an inferior. When you do this, when you say, when you do this, this way, when you live out this justice this way, you're saying, you're holding up a mirror and you're saying, look, what you're doing isn't right. I am a human being just as you are. I am created in the image of God just as you are. And, and you don't get to do this. It was improper for somebody to continue to do that. And, and they could be put in your debt. Verse 40, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. It was common practice to sue poor people for not being able to pay their debts, 
creditors would, would go take them to court and sue them. And one of the things they could get until they paid back the debt was their shirt. Now, in Jesus's day in Palestine, people typically only had two garments. They had a shirt, okay? And then they had a coat or a cloak. And this cloak, it doubled as their blanket at night. And it was illegal for anybody to take somebody's cloak, to shame them in this way. Jesus says, if somebody sues you, they want to take your, your shirt, walk in, living out this generous justice, hand over your cloak as well. Show them, demonstrate to them their injustice. Hold up that mirror. What you are doing is not right. This isn't justice. And in my shame, you are being shamed. All right? Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Roman soldiers in Jesus' day were allowed to call on Jews to carry their, their equipment and their belongings. It didn't matter what the Jews were doing. It didn't matter what the responsibilities were. It didn't matter any of that. It only mattered that Romans could go to them and saying, you basically are a pack mule. That is your value to me right now. You are going to carry my stuff for a, a mile. Jesus says, don't take up resistance. Don't go to war with them. Instead, go an extra mile. Demonstrate generosity with them. Anyone who received this kind of thing would be shocked. And frankly, they would be indebted to the person who, who did it because this was illegal. They couldn't do this. Verse 42, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It, it was well known in Jesus's day that you give to the poor, you give to the needy, you take care of their name, their needs. When they're asking, you give it. But Jesus put uses this in the context of people who are taking advantage of us. He says, give, be generous to all, especially to your enemies. Don't take up arms, don't resist, rather be generous. I remember a, a time when my dad was stressed and frustrated. He was anxious and angry, and he snapped at me. I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what the issue was about or anything like that. All I remember was in that moment, rather than, Dad, you're being unjust, or getting in a fight with my dad or anything like that, I just calmly turned to him, even though he was being unjust to me. And I said, Dad, I love you. In that moment when, when my dad was, was, was out of his frustration being unjust to me, I, I, I gave him love. I gave him generosity. And you know what? It didn't change what happened. It didn't change the past. It changed the way that we behaved right then and right there. And my dad melted in that moment. He was like, whoa. He experienced generosity for his grumpiness in that moment. And it changed the situation moving forward. I love how N.T. Wright puts this. And I'm just, I can't quote it any better. I can't say it any better. So I'm just going to read what he says. 
Jesus offers a new sort of justice, a creative, healing, restorative justice. Not a justice that's about getting even, but, but something that brings things right and, and even moves them beyond into more goodness, into a deeper goodness, into something better. He goes on, the old justice found in the Bible was designed to prevent revenge running away with itself. He's talking about that blood feud there. Better an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth than an escalating feud with each side going one worse than the other. But Jesus goes one better still. Better to have no vengeance at all, but rather a creative way forward reflecting the astonishingly patient love of God himself who wants Israel to shine his light into the world so that all people will see that he is the one true God and that his deepest nature is overflowing love. No other God encourages people to behave in a way like this. This generous restorative justice. Live a generous justice. But how do we do it? The only way we can engage is by uh, number two on your outline, be generous in love. It will require us to live a generous love. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the first part of what Jesus quotes here is found in Leviticus 19, 18, where, where it literally says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the context that it's, it's said in is specific to Israel uh, in their relationship with one another. Take care of each other. Make sure each other's needs are met. But the implied application that was brought away from that was that you got to love those neighbors, but you get to hate outsiders. You don't have to treat outsiders this way. So you just got to live up to this level, okay? You're free to hate everybody else. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus reapplies the law into something that was unthinkable. Love, literally working for the good of those who oppress and seek your downfall, those who seek my downfall. Because this is what God does, and we are called to reflect and be like him as his children. So how does God do this? How, how does God work this out? Continuing in verse 45, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God freely gives what he has for the benefit of others, those who are on his side and those who are against him, those who are faithful to him and those who live in or live uh, faithless toward him or outside of relationship to him. Paul put it this way in, in Romans 5, I believe it's verse 8. While God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave everything of himself for our benefit, for the benefit of the entire world. Jesus goes on in verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
are not even the tax collectors, those who are colluding with the Roman government, those who are not only collecting taxes for Rome, those who are oppressing you, but they're they're taking more. They're skimming off of the top at 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 your at cost to you. He says, don't even tax collectors do that. Verse 47, and if you greet only your own people, those who are like you, those who are like-minded, those who line up, in other words, if you only love those people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Listen, you guys, we can look in the broad world all around us. People love those who are like-minded of themselves. They have a really hard time loving people who think differently, who see things differently. Are, are we like that or are we like Jesus? Jesus says, even the, the pagans only get up to this high. What, what's the reward for you? He goes on in verse 48, be perfect. That word perfect means holy. It means be complete. It means be mature. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. In other words, be like God. Become like God. You guys, the way to live out generous justice is to live a generous love. Generous love requires a few things. It requires that we focus on others. We can't love generously when we're focusing on how to gain or maintain what we view as our own. We have to set those things aside. It requires that we embrace uncertainty and that we entrust ourselves to the goodness of God, looking to him for our provision rather than to our own ability to grasp and maintain what we view as ours. Generous love requires that we empathize, that we understand and share the feelings of others. It takes a willingness for us to put ourselves into their shoes and to see things from their perspective. Friends and enemies alike. We don't just do this with the people who are like us. We do this with the people who are diametrically opposed to us. Even when they won't receive it, we still enter into this. Generous love requires that we know others. We can't truly love what we don't know. And loving takes time, commitment, and proximity. It requires us to enter into the world of other people. Are we sitting on the sidelines right now or are we entering into the world of other people? And I realize that's scary right now. There's COVID out there and we want to make sure that others don't make us sick and we want to make sure that we don't make others sick. But you guys, the implications of the gospel means that we enter into the mire and the mess and the muck. I'm not talking about throwing caution to the wind or being unsafe. I, I mean, what it means is that we purposefully do what Jesus did. We move from our place into others' places. That is generous love. Are we willing to do that because this is what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth are now and forever overlapped because of the action God has taken through Jesus Christ. Because of the love that he has poured out on us for our benefit that cost him. And we are called to be in the process 
of being transformed from the inside out so that we demonstrate this same love to the world around us. Now, again, this is not something we can conjure on our own. I don't have the power to make myself like this. Remember my, my boat example. I can't jump that 12 feet from where I'm at to the shoreline of where I need to be. I need to be brought in a process of learning how to live this way, of being transformed from the inside out. And, and I do that by staying connected to Jesus through confession, by, by saying, I'm not there yet. Through prayer, please empower me, walk with me, make me like you. And then living a life of thankfulness, receiving the gifts of God's presence, his guidance, even through the difficulties, even through the uncertainty, even through the, 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 the unknowns and, and rejection of other people. And allowing him to change us through the inworking of his Holy Spirit from the inside out. What kind of change would happen in our community, our families, and even those who are opposed to us if we engaged in this process? Now is the time. Our world needs this. Our community needs this. You guys, the people not only in our congregation need this from each other, but our neighbors need this from us. I've had three conversations with, with different people in, in the course of less than a week about home difficulties, about things that are going wrong right now. Our world is dying for a generous justice lived out in generous love. Are we going to engage in it? I'm, I'm not, I don't throw that out there to shame anyone. Okay? Because the reality is that I've kind of hunkered down a little bit, but now is the time to change and we're going to move forward. And we're going to be talking about how that happens. All right? Come to the, to the business service that we're going to have on August 23rd at 5 p.m. here at the church building. And, and we're going we're gonna to do business, but we're also going to worship and we're going to hear a, a, a little bit about where we're going in the next year. If, if you are concerned about, uh, about COVID and, and getting sick, we're going to be socially distanced. We're going to be safe. We're not going to be uh, doing things to make people sick. We're going we're gonna to keep some reasonable distance and, and we're encouraging masks and and, and even the, the way that we're going to serve the hot dogs and, and the food, we're, we're going to be doing that safely and responsibly. But you guys, I encourage you to be here for that. If you can't be here for that, we have a way for you to still participate and to do the voting on, on some of those voting things that, that, that we need to vote on. There's going to be a way that you can do an absentee vote on that. Uh, contact Priscilla Smith at info at ccpwallop.com and do that by... Uh, Wednesday the 19th, let her know so that we can prepare and have something uh, available there for you to, to be able to do a drive-up ballot drop-off. And we'll give you information about how that happens. But you'll be able to vote without being around other people, okay? Without being even within six feet of other people. So I encourage you um, 
participate, but let's engage in this process of becoming more and more like Jesus in this generous love lived out or this generous justice lived out in generous love. Okay, let me pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you, God, that you call us and you call us into deep things and you call us into things that are hard and difficult, but, but you don't call us just to make the leap and to get there all on our own. You lead us into that. You bring us into a place where as we are attached to you, we are able to begin living the life that you have created us to live and that you've called us to live in the world around us that reflects you, that demonstrates your generosity in, in, in justice and in love. God, empower us to live this way in our families, in our church community, in, in the neighborhood that our church community is planted in, and even toward our enemies, God. Those people who are not like-minded in us, those people who see things and view things, help us to step out of our comfort zone and, and, and to join you in what you did in, in being near to those who, who aren't like us and maybe will reject us, but nonetheless, we are demonstrating you. Empower us for this. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to. I'm going to say a short prayer. Make it yours. God, I want your love. I need your goodness. I want to become your child. I accept your freely given gift of love. Make me your child right here, right now. All I have is to give you me and all of the mess in my life. That's it. I ask that you would take it and I ask that you would make me yours. Father, for anyone who made that prayer uh, theirs, I ask that you would visit them right now, that you would change them, that you would fill them with your presence, that they would understand just how deeply loved they are simply because they exist. Not because they live up to anything, but because of who you are because of your generous love, that they have value, that they have, that, that there is something important about them because you say they're important, because you say they have value. And Father, for all of us, again, help us to live in your love, to live out your generous justice in love. We love you and we look forward to all that you are going to do in us and all that you are going to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining with us. Uh, again, join us uh, next week. We're going to continue, as I said, the next two chapters are going to go a little bit quicker. Uh, we're not going to take five weeks, or six, excuse me, six weeks to get through the next two chapters. We're going to take about two weeks per chapter. Uh, so we've got four more parts here to this series. Uh, but join with me this week in, in praying through and thinking, how do I live generous justice and love in my family, in my neighborhood, and, and into the wider world around us? You guys, thanks for joining us. I love you. I'm praying with you and for you. And we'll, we'll talk to you next week.